Hello and welcome to the podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Um, drinking my <laughs> coffee to uh, stay awake after all these late games. Um, and they have not been fun to watch if you're a fan of the Heat. Yeah, the last, we were recording this. It is uh, Thursday morning. Um, last night, the Heat had their worst loss of the season, probably, blowing a 15-point fourth quarter lead to the Warriors. I feel like we uh, say that losing, every other game. And then losing to overtime, only to top the worst loss of the season from two nights prior when uh, the Heat lost to uh, – Amir Coffey and Marcus Morris and uh, the third place Clippers. I think they're in third place. Um, but of course, uh, without all, all their main dudes. Um, this West Coast trip, we are now, what, three games in, right? We have the, the one against the Rockets, too. They'll play the Kings tonight. Um, but we, we had to record today because uh, it has gotten. You know, I, I wonder how many times we've written like that they've hit their rock bottom uh, this year, but this is. Um, I think this is a tough one to, to, to top. These two losses, two very, very winnable games, two teams that, two wins that a team with not just championship aspirations, but just with playoff aspirations kind of has to win those two games. The Warriors obviously are, are, are pretty good. They're missing Draymond, but Steph can win on any night, but just given the way that game went, um, that's a game you gotta win. And, um, right now, the Heat, uh, are not winning them. They're, you know, the, that Clippers game was just kind of, I think, a microcosm of everything that has been bad about this team so far this year. Uh, giving up big performances to random dudes, terrible three-point defense. Um, you know, they were they were down for basically that whole second half uh, ultimately, and then the Warriors game last night was another. You know, there, there were kind of some, some newer issues. The, the total lack of rebounding in overtime killed them. Um, the, I think offensively they kind of fell apart in overtime, uh, missing a lot of threes from Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. There's been so much has gone wrong these last couple weeks, the whole season, really the last couple nights particularly, um, that I'm kind of speechless because uh, – I think when we came out of the off season, you know, I don't think either of us thought this team was going to get back to the finals, right? Like we thought they were going to be a contender, but like you know, just odds were against them. The East improved when you throw in the Nets getting better, um, and just you know, you, the Sixers bringing in Doc Rivers and kind of you know, kind of reshaping themselves a little bit. Um, it was just going to be a little bit tougher of a challenge. The Bucks obviously getting better. It was going to be an uphill climb to get back there. We, I think we all thought the plan was basically they were going to kind of tread water, be in the mix until they could get a guy like Giannis or Beal. But um, obviously it has gone much worse than I think anyone reasonably could have anticipated. Yeah, I, I su- as soon as Steph Curry was 2 of 15 from three-point range at the end of the third quarter and he were up by just 10, yeah, we probably all should have known that that was that there was uh, something bad coming just because the, the Warriors. I mean, on a night that obviously Clay's not playing, he's out the whole you know the entire year. Draymond's yeah. out, uh, Wiseman's out, and and Steph is two of fifteen on threes, probably the worst shooting performance of his career to start that game, um, or one of the worst for sure. 
and the Heat are only up by ten. Um, that that's that's a big issue. Um, again, the it was just to me the story of this Heat team is like it can't put a complete game together. Yeah, it's always something. It's always something that goes wrong, whether it's offense or defense. Like you know, for a stretch, the defense is playing really well, but the offense isn't great. But they're squeaking out wins. You know, ninety eight, ninety six against the Knicks, and you know, in the nineties, and it's old school basketball, and everyone's happy. But then all of a sudden, the defense doesn't play well, and the offense is bad, and the Heat lose to Utah by double digits. Um, it's all, and then you know, at the Clippers, the offense played really, really well, second best offensive rating, single game offensive rating in this, of the season. But their defense, it was one of their worst defensive performances of the season. They lose, so they just can't put it together. It, it just feels like there's always something that they don't do well that hurts them. Um, and I think that's been the challenge of like, can you put a quality game together together on both ends? Yeah, you don't have to put your best offensive game, you know, together with your best defensive game, but can you put a quality performance on both ends um, for an entire game? And they really, I mean, they, I guess they've done it a couple times, but I can't think of more than a handful of times that they've done that um, in games this season. Yeah, to me, it does kind of feel a lot like what this Heat team looked like for that, like, basically month before the season shut down. Where, I mean, if you remember, we're, we're coming up on a year since it happened, basically. But remember that last night, they blew, like, a 20-point lead to the Hornets. Um, right. And, yeah, no, and, and they had a West Coast had, trip right before that, and they struggled on that trip as well when they made the trade for yeah. Andre. You know, that was when they made the trade for Andre and, and Jay. Um, they had a West Coast trip, and they did not play well. So, yeah, they, they struggled right before the season was suspended. Yeah, and as our, our colleague Barry Jackson, he tweets this out every once in a while. They're now, I, I think, twenty eight and thirty two in games outside the bubble since the start of twenty twenty. So like, this is kind of what they have looked, other than the bubble, which obviously like that matters. That's playoff time. That's I, I know it's like a you know everyone wants to, like put asterisks and stuff on it, but still that's playoff time. That's those are the matchups that like. Yeah, I still think this Heat team just because of what Jimmy we know he can do in the playoffs like would be better in a, a playoff format than clearly they have been right now. But, um, you know, this is kind of what they are in a lot of ways um, when the bit players are not playing out of their mind. Um, Andre Iguodala this year, the last couple games, has just been a total non-factor on offense, although he actually put up some good numbers last night. But the Heat, uh, he is, like, constantly with a negative plus-minus. You know, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero have – not shot at the level that we expect them to. And Tyler in particular last night, you know, was missing a lot of open threes down the stretch that, you know, obviously if he hits one of those, it's a totally different game. Um, you know, obviously Goran not playing a lot of the other role players that he went after this off season, not playing right now because of injuries. Um, you know, sometimes it's like as simple as you're not hitting your threes and you're allowing a lot. Right, you know, they're yeah. last year they were yeah. one of the best three point defenses in the league, even though they gave up a ton of attempts. Um, this year, you know, normalizing a little bit, regressing to the mean maybe. Um, and then obviously Duncan, who was like having a historically great season last year, just has not replicated that. And and Tyler um, not only has regressed from the bubble, but has regressed from like pre-bubble Tyler last year, which, like, it's a, you know, sometimes that happens with second-year guys, but, um, like, it's just all stuff that basically every, the worst-case scenario has happened at every position other than, like, and even at, with the superstars, because 
Um, you know, Jimmy obviously missed 10 games too. Yeah. No, I, I was going to, you know, you just touched on it, but I think, you know, it's not this simple, but I, if you want to, like, pinpoint the biggest issues with this team right now, and there's um, obviously issues behind this bigger right. issue, like, that leads to it, but three-point defense and making threes, like, that, that was such a huge part of their winning formula last season. You know, whether it was luck or not, they were one of the better teams at defending the three-point line, and that's huge for them because, like you yep. said, they give you know they they tend to give up a lot of three point attempts. Um, this year they're you know they're giving up the second most three point attempts behind only, behind only the Pelicans, um, and they they shot incredibly well from three point range. They were the second best shooting team in the league um, this year. I think they're what twenty they're twenty fourth in team three point percentage. Um, I mean that that difference right there. They're allowing two more threes a game. And they're shooting three points, uh, three percentage points less um, yeah. a game, uh, yeah, for the season. So this stat right there, I mean, that's what probably twelve points in total right there. That, that that's a turnaround. That's a difference. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and it's guys like you said. It's, I mean, Duncan is still shooting uh, thirty. Duncan is still shooting thirty nine percent. So that's not bad, but but it's a big, he shot forty four percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a huge drop off from last year. Right, and, Kelly, yeah. Kelly. Kelly shot forty percent last year. This year he's shooting thirty four percent. Tyler Hero shooting thirty three percent on threes. Um, I mean, you just look. Your four, your floor spacers. Okay, Duncan Robinson thirty eight point nine percent. Good, but not as good as not anywhere as close to as good as last year. Yeah. Um, Kendrick Nunn thirty four percent. Okay. Uh, Kelly Olynyk thirty four percent. It's not that's not good enough. And Tyler Hero thirty three thirty four percent. That's not good enough either. So. On Jimmy Dollar, thirty-two percent. Like the, your floor spaces just aren't hitting at an efficient rate, and that kills the offense because this offense is built around getting into the paint with Bam and, and Jimmy, and and spraying out the shooters, and they just haven't hit enough. Yeah, it's also like kind of the reminder of like the danger of having your two best players be non-shooters, basically. You know, obviously um, Bam has become a really good mid-range guy, but. And Jimmy is, you know, he likes that mid-range shot late in games. But, you know, those are, those are big, like, that. that's, you know, you're, you're a lot of times you're trading twos for threes, especially when you go up against a guy like Steph Curry. And, you know, those mid-range shots are, aren't necessarily a whole lot easier to make than certain th- three-point shots. So you're settling for tough shots, and those two guys can hit tough shots, um, not at the rate of a guy like Kevin Durant or someone, though. You're trading those tough shots for maybe tough threes, but again, it's just a risk reward. It, you know, there's not a whole, you know, the Heat have to be the only team in the league, the only playoff team in the league that had their two best players be guys who averaged like less than two, three point attempts per game at this point, right? Like they're, they're unusually built. And then, you know, some of the best ways they've, they've gone about, you know, getting the, you know, the, the reason that it worked last year is because even though Jimmy and Bam were total non-shooters last year, they the Heat kind of had manufactured ways to, you know, it felt like Duncan could get a pretty good look at three anytime last year, right? Off that dribble handoff or, yeah. just, you know, driving kick type stuff. But the league has definitely adjusted that. That dribble handoff that worked so well last year just has not been there in the same way, obviously. Duncan is now really a focus of opposing game plans. Um, and you can kind of understand why, because, like, would you rather give up 
a pretty good Duncan three or like when, when you the options for defense are you're either gonna give up a pretty good Duncan three or you're gonna like still Jimmy Butler is gonna have to like make a tough mid range shot late in games or, or Bam's gonna have to make a tough mid range shot. You'd rather give up that Jimmy or Bam shot. Like Duncan is still when he is hitting like kind of the most dangerous offensive threat on this team. Jimmy and Bam are great because what they can do is facilitators, what they can do on defense, and and yes, because what they can do is scores. But like, again, three is more than two, and right now the Heat are the 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 equation is not in place for the Heat uh, in a way, obviously that it was last year. Yeah, and and free throws are obviously so important for yeah. this team too, just because you know, of Jimmy didn't have religion. a free throw in the first three quarters last night. I think he didn't have a free throw the entire game. Yeah, I don't know the entire game. Yeah, he he was gonna get two, but then uh, Warriors challenged oh, it. Right. I think it was in the fourth yep. quarter, and the call was overturned. Yep. So he never free throw the entire game. I think he did that like once or twice last season. So he's done it before, but it's so rare for him. And I mean, that's why. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why they lost, but the fact that they only hit thirteen threes, which is below their average and not good enough, and they only made 11 free throws. Like, that's where they get a lot of their offense. And yeah. yeah, when I was looking at the box score at the end of the third quarter, you were talking about, like, the Heat were only up 10, Steph had been terrible, and, like, I was trying to figure out, like, it just didn't, like, it, and the announcement, and Mark Jones, I think, kept talking about this, like, it felt like the Heat should be up more than 10. Yeah. Like, it almost felt like they were up more than 10. And you looked across the board, like, the Heat were, had, you know, better field goal percentage, uh, better three-point percentage. Um, the the shots were pretty even, but it was that the Heat just you know they had a, I think eleven three, free throws in the first three quarters, and like that's just not how this team succeeds. Obviously. Yeah, no, this team needs probably eighteen free throws, eighteen made free throws plus, you know, yeah. in most games to to keep up with him, especially on a in a night where it makes thirteen threes. Um, but right. it just relies on the the free throw so much, and Jimmy's very good at it. I mean, I think he was averaging like 11 or 12 free throw attempts per game this season before last night. So last night was kind of uh, something you don't see often. But, yeah, like, uh, you know, another thing I will point to is last year in the four, in the first quarter, and Cooper Moorhead from Heat.com points this out. Um, he's pointed this out a couple of times this season, but it's, it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, the Heat had a net rating of 12.7. So they outscored teams by 12.7 points per 100 possessions in the first quarter last season. Mm-hmm. This year they're being outscored by 7.4 points per 100 possessions in the first quarter of the season. So last year, they, they most games they had a big lead, yeah. early, a, a big early lead, and they were able to, you know, work with that. And, and, you know, a lot of times that leads to, you know, it gives you a bigger margin for error, obviously, and mm-hmm. um, and their yeah, their their net ratings actually in the second half was in that wasn't that good last year, but they were so good in the first quarter that it helped to make up for that. This year, they've been a bad first quarter team, so um, that's that drop off, that 19 point <laughs> net rating uh, d- difference um, again is is a huge part of kind of what we're seeing this year, where they're getting behind in many games early. Um, and it's hard to come back from that for them. Yeah, and, and I think the reputation the Heat had a lot last year was they were this deep team, right, in this league of teams that load up on having you know, one super, one true superstar, two true superstars. They were the team that had, you know, two all-stars, um, but I don't think anyone until really the finals viewed Jimmy or Bam as like a top 10 or top 15 guy. And then, you know, their third guy was, was Goron, who was, you know, a former all-star, but you know, probably not a top 30, 35 player. And then, but then they could go and play 
what they had like eleven guys they really trusted last year in like varying degrees between obviously Goron, you know, the obvious ones like Goron and Duncan, um, and then you know Kendrick Nunn when they needed him, Kelly Olynyk, obviously Andrea Iguodala by the end of the year, Jay Crowder, um, and but a lot of that I think as you note is that first quarter like helps right like when the when the bench gets to come in and play with a lead and just manage a lead and not be basically the ones that have to win the game they just have to be the ones who survive like it looks a lot better and um i think by the the finals it i mean obviously the two injuries like just meant everyone was like taking on a bigger role but like by the finals like i think it was maybe exposed a little bit but like you know those guys are great they're great bit players for the most part. You know, there's some guys who are like legitimately great role players like like Duncan obviously. But a lot of those guys are are kind of bit players who were perfectly suited to play in the framework of last year's team um and were probably playing above their heads like, you know, Jay Crowder obviously he's go- he's gone, but you know, just a bunch of guys who because of how good Jimmy Bam and ultimately I think Duncan were their role was to just man, basically manage a game. And, and right now, um, you know, obviously Jimmy misses time. Um, you lose Jay Crowder. You did not replace him adequately. Uh, you lose Goron. Um, and Duncan takes a pretty significant step back, and all of a sudden everyone else, it just gets exposed, I think, a little bit more too. And, you know, when you're playing from behind – you know, Tyler Hero's great sometimes. Like, he scored 37 points for you in a Eastern Conference Finals game. But he just last year, even in the playoffs, had just as many duds as he did, like, incredible performances. And, he, you know, he's still going through that. And, um, you know, if Jimmy and Bam in the starting lineup aren't going to outplay teams, especially these last couple of games when they're playing really undermanned teams, um, then it's uh, – then, you know, that bench, that responsibility becomes too big for that group, I think. Yeah, and, and, and going back to Tyler, he, he hasn't been shooting well from three, um, but it's funny because he, he has been pretty good around the basket this season, yeah. and he has been good in the mid-range. Like, I feel, it's like I remember coming in when he got drafted, everyone was like, he's going to be a three-point shooter, yeah. a knockdown three-point shooter. He's more of a mid-range, like, guy yeah. who can get to the basket. He's shooting I mean, he was really good in the first half of that Clippers game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was he was one of their best offensive players in that game. He sh- he's shooting fifty percent on mid range shot this season. Yeah, like that's that's impressive. That's like Dwayne Wade caliber type of efficiency efficiency from the mid range. Um, and then you know they were shooting at sixty two percent. That's good. You know, it's not it's mm-hmm. not bad. Um, so it's just yeah, his three point shot just hasn't been there this season. Um, thirty three percent isn't good enough for him. He he needs to be probably around thirty six thirty seven percent. Um, to really be the, the player that, you know, people expected entering the season. So um, he has been efficient in some areas, but just the three-point shot has not been there. Um, yeah, and again, I don't want to simplify but, like, yeah. so that's the difference. Like, these good NBA teams are teams loaded with shooting, right? They're the teams that can turn a 10-point point deficit yeah. into a two-point lead in 80 seconds. And the Heat were great at that last year. Between Dunk, just so, you know, and then this year it's that's just you know any when they have a ten point lead with five minutes left like it feels like they don't have 
you know, they're never the team that can extend it because they don't have that shooting. You know, the, uh, the three point game is obviously like flattened the like difference between teams in a regular season game because any any game someone can get hot. Um, but it's also like you know threes are easier to get than like tough twos or, or shots at the rim and and the Heat. You know, when you have a superstar who can like just go off the dribble and take a step back three. Like that's a good shot in the NBA these days, and the Heat don't have anyone who can who can just regularly generate threes. And again, like the the Bam Duncan dribble handoff last year, like was a really reliable offensive set. The Heat got good threes off of that all the time, and they just have, you know teams have obviously adjusted to that. Yeah, I asked Duncan about that dribble handoff with Bam on Sunday, I think, when um, you know the, after Bam said that teams are trying to take Duncan out of the game, yeah. and he said that. You know, in the regular season last year, they were able to get to that shot whenever they wanted. Yeah, it was their replacement for the step-back three that yeah. basically every superstar has. It was they in the manufactured play- the, the same play. Yeah, and it was in the playoffs where teams really started to adjust, and, and we saw that. Like, it was harder yeah. for Duncan to get his shots, and it was they were tougher shots. Um, and that's carried over into this regular season. Like, it hasn't... And it didn't stop with the finals. Like that, that type of defense, that type yeah. of coverage, that type of attention that Duncan got in the playoffs has carried over into the season, and that's what we're seeing. Like it's nothing new, but they didn't see it last regular season, which is when Duncan right. was so so good and such a big weapon. So um, that's been the adjustment, and I, I think it, we also can't forget that Goran has been out. I'm not. I'm not saying Goran's gonna return yeah, all of a sudden. This team's gonna be a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big deal, especially offensively and kind of stabilizing the offense when Jimmy's out and, and Bam is out. Um, when Goron's right, I mean, three point shooting wasn't wasn't very important to this team, but so was Goron playing like an all star in the playoffs last year. Right? Like, yeah, I mean, man? the way they became an elite team in the playoffs, and they were a good team, a really good team for the regular season. Basically, obviously, we talked about it just right before the bubble; they struggled, but for the most part, they were a really good team in the regular season. When they turned into a title contender, it was when Goran was playing like an all-star, and their defense like went from being below average to being really good. Um, and you know, I get why they like keep talking about defense. We've talked about this in the past that like their offense is just as bad, but they keep talking about defense. So I, I get it because that's the ceiling for the team is figuring out how to make that defense elite. But like you said, just as much of it is is Goran. Um, coming back and playing like an all-star, which we just have not seen at all this year. Even when he was playing, he was not great. Considering considering the offense is the fifth worst in the league right now, maybe the defense is, is the key to, to winning for this team. Yeah. It's just it's just so strange because the results have been so different in yeah. a matter of months. Like, and this team is, for the, I mean, yeah, Jay Crowder played a big role and Jimmy missed twelve games and Goran has missed a lot of time as well and Avery's been out, but. For the most part, this team is very similar to the one that made it to the finals last year. Behind again, three-point shooting and just efficient offense, and being good enough on defense to win games because their offense was so good. This year, they're again they're one of the most inefficient offensive teams in the NBA, and it's again it comes down to a lot of you know a lot of its three-point shooting and turnovers, but it's just so hard to explain um, how different this team looks in a matter of what the last game of the finals was in October, so. Four months ago, it's just it looks like a totally different team. There's been a lot of uh, consternation about what the Heat did in the off season, and you know, obviously, there's regret about maybe from the fans. I'm saying um, 
about, and I think from like us basically at this point, like um, about, you know, obviously going recently back to not trading for James Harden, not willing to part with Tyler Hero, Duncan, whatever it took to get James Harden. Um, But then also just like, you know, letting Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. I really don't think they had a chance to bring back Derek Jones, um, but maybe they could have made some work with Jay Crowder. Obviously, uh, the Myers-Leonard contract, which I think was the one that we were most, like, unsure, the move that, like, you know, it just totally felt like a chemistry move. Um, you know, he was a non-factor for them, obviously, when they were playing their best basketball. Um, that has obviously not worked out at all because Myers is hurt now for the season. Uh, bringing back Goron, which I think we all kind of viewed as a no-brainer. But there was, you know, I think we talked about that there was risk because he was obviously coming off an injury and has not been able to really stay healthy for the last couple of years. Now he's getting older. Um, obviously he is hurt and has not played very much this year. And then the two uh, signings they made, uh, Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. Avery, who I, I, has been, like, okay, I guess. I've been shocked how bad of a shooter he has been when he's been out there. Um, has been hurt and not really able to play. And Mo Harkless also hurt and basically like a non-factor for this team. Um, obviously the hope was that, you know, the, pretty explicit about this, the hope was that they would basically tread water kind of for a year, be in that same top four mix in the East. Maybe, you know, you know Jimmy can basically single-handedly carry you in the playoffs and maybe you get to the finals again. Um, but the hope was, you know, still to try to get another superstar, whether that's Giannis, Bradley Beal. Um, obviously, they passed on James Harden. Um, there was no one like that available in free agency other than Anthony Davis, I guess. But obviously, that was never going to happen. Um, and that has not worked out. Now, none of those moves they've made in the offseason have worked out. And that's obviously a big reason. It's not... It's not that they lost Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. It's that they lost them and just did not replace them at all. Plus, like, the guys they re-signed have, have not contributed significantly. Um, do you think there is regret on the part of the Heat about what happened in the offseason? And, I don't know, did they, did they fairly or unfairly, did, did the plan change when they went to the finals? Um. First, I, I want to—I don't want to be that guy, but I want to correct you on one thing. Avery, Avery Bradley, while he hasn't been shooting ball, the ball re, uh, well recently, ever since he came back from protocols, he's right, shooting 40, 42% year, on threes. Yes. Yeah, he's shooting 40. So small sample size, but he's shooting okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's shooting 42% is good. Yeah, that's um, good. But, yeah, but get, to get back to your question, I, I, I understand why they did what they did. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, think we both kind of, like, we talk about this, like, yeah. It's obvious why they did what they did. I, I don't. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. I think at that point we all were like, okay, this is fine. Like they bring back most of the team. Yes, you don't bring back Jay Crowder, but you get why you you know they didn't. Even though at this point, I'm sure fans would say, why didn't they keep Jay Crowder? Because he, it seems like he made such a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. But they just weren't going to guarantee money past this season. Yeah. And that's the one difference that I'll say. You know, I don't, I don't people keep bringing up the comparison of the 2016-17 team, and then, you know, the Heat bring all those guys back and they're not working out. Those guys, they, they signed to three-year contracts, four-year contracts. Right. Um, this is all, I mean, all these guys, 
have team options in their deals or it was a one-year contract. So they, they can all be free agents at the end of the season. So the Heat didn't invest long-term money right. uh, into, this team, into this team. So that's, that's I guess, one, if you want to classify it as positive thing, um, considering the way this team's playing. Um, but, yes, I, I, I do think, you know, if you could have kept Trey Crowder, it would have been uh, it would have been optimal. Um, they definitely miss him. Um, you know, I, I, I think the report was that he offered. You know, Barry Barry reported at the time that he the Heat offered Jay two years um, with fourteen million dollars in the first season and a, a team option in the second season. And Jay decided to take the three years, thirty million from the Suns, guaranteed. And you can't blame him for that. Um, and you can't blame the Heat for that either. I mean, fourteen million dollars for Jay this season is—you're probably overpaying a little bit. Yeah, it's not uh, been worth that for Phoenix. I know Phoenix has no. been good, but it's not been because of Jay Crowder. Right, but the Heat definitely tried. I mean, that's a lot of money to to offer Jay Crowder. They definitely tried. It's just you know Jay was looking for a long-term home, long-term security, and he opted to to take the money from the Suns. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Avery Bradley, I mean, you can't, you can't predict COVID, obviously. I mean, Avery Bradley right. misses, um, eight games because of that, and then the calf strain, and then, you know, just different injuries. Um, I still think Avery would be a big help to this team when he's out yeah, on the certainly. court, if he's, if he's able to get out on the court consistently. Mo hasn't been able to fill the role that Jay played. Yeah, um, that's been a bigger dud. We've talked about it. Yeah, and, and, you know, you could point to maybe the Heat should have signed Bobby Portis. Maybe they should have tried harder for one of the Morris brothers. At the end of the day, the Heat got Moharkos for three point six million. Like it was going to be hard to get a guy at that price level um, that was going to fill the Jay Crowder spot. And you know, Mo was the guy they 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 settled on, and he has the qualities that you would want in a guy to play that role. He could, he's a solid three point shooter. He has the physical tools to be a good versatile defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he's battled injuries and he hasn't really found his his niche with this team yet. So yeah, I I guess to make a, a long story short, yeah, all the free agent additions, you know, re-signings that he made this past offseason, whether it's because of injuries or or, or COVID in Avery Bradley's case, um it, it just we, they haven't seen the the results yet uh from those from those moves. Yeah. And again, like I think it Again, I, I don't know this off any sourcing or anything, but, like, clearly their plans, like, changed when that finals run happened, right? Like, and not just the finals run, but just, like, the overall success of the season. Like, if that team finishes sixth in the East and – which I think, like, was kind of what a lot of people maybe expected from them at the start of the year. If they finish, like, sixth in the East and go out in the first or second round of the playoffs, like, there would have been that urgency to go – Go get a Bradley Beal. Go get a Giannis. Go get a um, James Harden. Even no matter what it takes, no matter what you have to give up. Um, once they went to the finals, like it's impossible not to get enticed by 19-year-old Tyler Hero scoring 37 points in an Eastern Conference Finals game. It's impossible not to get enticed by Duncan Robinson having the best shooting season ever by someone not named Steph Curry. It's impossible not to get enticed by. Um, you know, Goran Dragic turning back into an all-star. Like, it's impossible not to think that, like, it made sense to use that as a bridge toward next offseason when when it's probably a little bit easier to get a superstar. Um, and obviously it has just not worked. Like, sometimes that happens. Yeah, uh, sometimes and I, regression happens. Sometimes injuries happen. Sometimes uh, 
guys get really hot for a little while and trick you a little bit about who they are. Yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't say the plan has changed that much, only because I think 2021 was always the plan. Yeah. The unfortunate thing for the Heat is that the 2021 free agent class really dried up right. um, before it even got here. I mean, Giannis signing the extension, LeBron signing the extension, Paul George signing the extension. Um, you know, I don't think anybody expects Kawhi to leave the Clippers or – or you know any big you know any other big name that was supposed to be available like to be available really mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you're look, looking at what Victor Oladipo you know Demar Derozan like those type of guys um, it, it's a totally different class than the Heat um, expected so I, I think that's been the unfortunate thing and that's what kind of has gotten fans a little impatient and maybe frustrated is that okay we're building toward 2021 a run at Giannis we're going to sell him on our core we're preserving all this cap space. And now Giannis isn't available. So um, now it has to be through pretty much, I mean, if you're going to acquire the other star, it's going to have to be through a trade. Right. And if uh, it has to be through a trade, why haven't they done it already? I guess it's kind of where yeah. a lot I of mean, people land. It takes two teams to make a deal, right? Right. So exactly. yeah, yeah. the Heat just them don't, the, the, the problem with, with the Heat is that they don't have the draft assets to really compete with like what Houston gave James Harden, you know? Um, that that's that's the challenge for the Heat is like all these teams that are going to be trading a superstar, they want draft capital back. They want to have tools to to build their team for the future. Or a no doubt superstar, and Tyler Hero does not look like that right now. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, the Heat aren't going to trade Jimmy or Bam, so I think Heat fans can stop talking about that. I know that's kind of been the talk on Twitter <laughs> the past week in some corners of Twitter, um, but uh, they're not trading those two guys. So it, it comes down to okay, Duncan and Tyler, what what could I give you? What could I get you? You know. Um, and I don't know right now with the heat struggling so much, um, it's hard to say that's going to be enough, um, to get a guy like Bradley Beal. So mm-hmm. it's a tough spot because, you know, what, what we thought that he could do and the potential for them to add another star, it, it, it really looks, um, a lot less likely than it did five months ago. I'm going to throw this back to my wizard fan days. Um, I remember in 2014, uh, the Wizards looked like kind of an up-and-coming team in the East. Obviously not to the degree that the Heat did last year, but with Beal and Wall and Otto Porter had kind of fig- finally figured out they uh, won a playoff series against the Bulls, against Jimmy Butler and the Bulls, and then uh, lost a series against the Pacers in, I think, six, um, that they probably should have won that series. They blew a couple big leads in it. Um, and... Everyone was feeling great, you know. Every, the, the plan was always looking ahead to the 2015 offseason, to Kevin Durant, KD to DC. He's coming home, and then they missed the playoffs in 2015. And anything that they had to offer with that young core, like they were, you know, they were kind of viewed as one of the promising up and coming teams in the league with Wall and Beal, and you know, decent enough supporting cast and an enticing infrastructure. Uh, maybe not infrastructure, but enticing star duo for a superstar to come play with. Um, you know, that's the heat was basically hoping that they were going to be so enticing as a infrastructure that, that, you know, they're two all-stars plus all this young talent. were going to be enticing enough, basically that a, a free agent or, or a soon to be free agent or a trade target would kind of just force himself to Miami. Right. Or not, maybe not force himself to Miami, but like kind of make it clear that that's one of the teams you would like to get to. And, you know, right now, if you're Bradley Beal, like, 
Do you, is it, I mean, Miami's obviously a more enticing situation than Washington, but the Wizards have won three in a row. Like, you know, <laughs> the Heat aren't exactly, like, blowing anyone away, and you know, that that's the problem right now. There, there's Like you said, there's not a free agent out there. Um, and I, it's fair to wonder, did the Heat, like, kind of miss their window a little bit, right? Like, I don't think they did. I think they'll still be fine. Again, even if they can't get a guy, like, Tyler Hero's not going to be this bad all year. Duncan Robinson, like, we know he's better than what he is right now. But, you know, their window to land a superstar, uh, the easiest time to do it, apparently, was, like, in the last couple months, and obviously they did not uh, capitalize on it. Yeah. The the good news for the Heat is that they're still just uh, three games out of I fifth. I know, I know. Fifth and the Heat are just crazy when you think about it. But, the fifth, you know, Boston Celtics have struggled a little bit, too. They're 500, 14 and 14, sitting in fifth. So the the East is just not a great has not been great this season for a very you know various reasons whether it's kind of the uniqueness of the season or just the parity in the conference but <laughs> the Heat get on a winning streak I mean again uh, we I feel like we say this every week but there's some winnable games here for the Heat um, the Kings I know it's a back to back but they they've already beaten the Kings once yeah. this season and the Kings aren't a great team um, the Lakers are going to be tough you know that's that's a tough game. Obviously, I mean they're missing AD, but they still have LeBron. Um, but then Oklahoma City to close out the trip. So if you went two out of these three, I think you and I both said before the road trip, yeah, four and three would have been great. But three and four is fine because you survived the trip. Yeah. So they, they still they really still have a chance here, despite kind of the these painful losses and probably your two worst losses of the season. If they win tonight, they'll put themselves in a position to to come home. You know, three and four from this type of trip, I, I think you take that. So yeah, it's like what it's we not, have kind of penciled in, yeah. right? But yeah. like, it's just the way they get there, right? Exactly. It's opportunities, just, and I think this whole season has kind of been defined by those missed opportunities. You know, they've lost, they've blown. Was it you or Barry who tweeted out they've like blown fourteen point leads in like five or six games this year? Like, they've obviously lost to some bad teams. Uh, you know, and those are missed opportunities, and then as we were touching on the off season has turned into a massive missed opportunity as the league, the heat have just been passed by a lot of teams over the last uh, five months. Yeah. I, I think, I think the only winning team they've beaten this season is the Bucks. One game. That's it. Wow. They, they have one win against a winning team, which is just crazy. Yeah. Um, it kind of shows you um, where this team is at at the moment. Um, yeah, so this this team is you know, there's a lot of issues they have to work through. It's kind of really I, I feel like we've tried to explain what's going on, but it's really hard to explain because even with all the injuries, with this personnel, this team really should be better. Like there's right. no reason yeah, the Knicks should be yeah. <laughs> ahead of the Heat in the standings at this point. Like if you have Bam and Jimmy, you should be a top six team in the East, no questions. You know, so yeah. it, it's it's just really hard to explain why they're not playing up to you know their the level they should be at right now. Here's a stat that uh, came across on my timeline as we are uh, recording uh, from Michael Gallagher. Uh, worst effective field goal percentage on wide open shots this year. Uh, Russ Westbrook is worst. Cam Reddish second worst. Giannis third worst. Aaron Holiday fourth. And Tyler Hero, the fifth worst shooter in the league on wide open shots this season. Like that tells a lot of the story. Yeah, and and, and Spoh said it. I mean, to his credit, like when we asked him about the offense, like. Uh, we're getting shots that we want, like for the most part, especially lately. Like he's liked the way that the things have been trending, the ball movement, 
The turnovers have been somewhat down in, in recent games. Um, he likes the shot they're, shots they're generating. They're just not going in. And as cliche as it sounds, and you gotta uh, hit shots. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a make or miss league. <laughs> That's exactly right. And right now they hate him missing too many of them. Yeah. Um, and then so, obviously the problem is like they were able to win despite that sometimes in the finals because Jimmy could go like Super Saiyan and he's just not going to do that like 50 times a year. Yeah, it's, like, it's I know people get frustrated by like pass by him being passive and trying to get everyone involved, but like you know he can't do, he's not LeBron like he can't just be the best player in the league every single night. Yeah, I mean, it, and so much of the Heat's success was him being passing up. Shots yeah, for other, right. For other There's success it. in the regular season yeah. and even through most of the playoffs. Like when they were at their best was when he was a triple double machine, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, right. it's it's, it's uh, definitely been a season that I did not expect for it to go. Yeah. Like yeah. All right. Before we wrap up, um, should we just quickly touch? We went way long on this first segment. Should we just quickly touch on some of the trade names out there? Um, whether we think that he should get them whether we think they would do anything you want to you want to I've got five names well four plus Bradley Beal written down because I guess we'll we should touch on Beal really quickly just because he remains maybe I'll throw Victor Oladipo on the list too because those are kind of the two superstars that, that he probably has the best chance at getting in the next 12 months um do you want to let's start with two guys who are like very openly on the block Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond uh he obviously the position in the post next to Bam has been kind of a question mark this year. Kelly looked good for a little while. has been pretty rough the last week or so. Obviously just not a guy you want as your starting power forward or center. Um, solid role player. Blake or Drummond, do either of those guys interest you? Do either you think either of them would make a difference? To me, Drummond doesn't fit um just yeah, because yeah. he can't space the floor it's kind of like you're not going to play him and bam together so yeah, the problem is this team can't hit threes <laughs> yeah like, it's not because they need i mean obviously rebounding would help but it just that would just bog down their offense i mean it's kind of like what the, what the Cavs tried with jared allen and andre drummond and then they're like oh this doesn't work we're gonna yeah. have to trade one of them so yeah I, I don't think andre drummond makes sense although he has had a good season he i've does. always liked andre drummond yeah. but he's got to play with like four perimeter guys basically exactly so i, I don't think I, I would cross that one off the list blake is interesting because you know just looking at him you would think okay he could hit a three if he's open Dude, um he, he has so a washed Yes, yeah, so he has the physical tools that you think he could be a versatile defender, but he hasn't dunked this season. <laughs> he hasn't dunked since December of 2019. The most absurd stat I think I've ever heard. So, um, he, and he's, he's I, don't, I think he's shooting like under 30% on threes this season or something like that. Like he has not been a good three-point shooter. So the fact that he doesn't seem like he's a player he once was because he, he hasn't dunked all year, and he used to be, his game used to be basically based on dunks and he can't he hasn't been an efficient three-point shooter I, I don't know if he fits as well other than just being you know a name that is intriguing because it's Blake Griffin so yeah. I, I, I would say out of those two guys Blake is more intriguing and maybe would be a possible fit but with the way Blake has looked this season I would say no yeah I was pretty pro Blake coming into the season what two years ago he was an all-NBA guy I think right in the 2018-19 season or maybe 17-18 not too long ago he was a, I think a third team all-NBA selection I want to say his first year with the Pistons maybe um or at least an all-star and he 
again, going back to my, my wizard's knowledge, that was a guy that was talked about as a potential wall trade, and I thought that made a lot of sense for the wizards. You know, I think getting Griffin in a better situation, you know, I've always liked him as kind of like a point center, right? Like that was kind of when he was at his best in LA. I think the Heat would actually kind of empower that part of his game. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be just like a rim running big, uh, with Miami because obviously that's Bam's job. And I think he can kind of, you know, he's not the passer that Bam is, but he's the ball, like he's a pretty good ball handler. You can bring the ball up for you. You can, like, he can run the offense from the high post. Like, I think he actually kind of fits with, or the Blake of two years ago fits with what the Heat would like right now. Um, I think yeah. as a buyout, he would make sense. I'm not trading anything for him. He looks so washed up. Um, he and when they played, the Pistons played down here in Miami. Like I, I was stunned watching him. Just like he just floats at the perimeter. Like he's like never in the paint anymore. Um, we know Eric Reed wouldn't be happy. <laughs> Um, after he uh, spent that whole game basically in shock the same way a lot of us were. Um, again, I think on a buyout, he would make sense because, like, what's the, like, it doesn't hurt. If that's, like, all the only move you can make, it's a, worth a flyer. Um, but I'm not trading anything for him. Yeah, um, I, I, I think it, that would have to be on a buyout. And he'd have some, you know, they have the, if they're granted. Maybe you can get a pick for taking him off their hands, honestly, but then it screws up your cap and everything. So, yeah, uh, he's got a big yeah, contract. Um, two others, uh, two other names that have kind of been out there, Rudy Gay and Nemanja Bialica. Um, Either of those guys uh, intrigue you? Um, Rudy Gay is intriguing um, just because he, Again, he 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 needs somebody to space the floor and can at least hold up defensively. Um, I think Rudy Gay fits both those um, has both those qualities. Uh, mm-hmm. He's shooting forty one percent on catch and shoot threes this season, which is really good. And that's the shot he would get um, with the Heat. You know, if he if he ended up here, um, and also a lot of his threes are above the break, which again is what that's what Jay Crowder did. I mean, Jay Crowder was a spot up catch and shoot three yeah. point shooter. Um, above the break, not really in the corners. Um, so I, I just think his shot prof profile this season is encouraging um, as far as, you know, his fit with the Heat. And he's still I think he's still good enough that he could help them and possibly start, really. If, yeah. he, if he shot that well from three-point range, he could start next to Bam um, and give them some of, the, some of the things they missed from Jay. So Rudy Gay is one that I really, really think um, would be a good fit. And he's on the final year of his contract. So. Yeah. He's a free agent next season. Yeah. I, I kind of like both of these fits, actually. I've always been a Bielitsa fan. Uh, really good stretch four. He would help your th- shooting woes a lot. Um, Gay is probably just, like, a better all-around player. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure what Bielitsa's contract situation is. But, um, uh, you know, the, the Gay being on the one-year deal, you know, that, that's a big part of this this season. And, you know, obviously when the Heat signed all these guys to one-year deals, as you mentioned, like, they didn't expect this. But it did, you know, the plan was always to have flexibility going into next offseason. And I, I don't think you, you know, no matter who you add this year, unless it's like Beal, then you're not winning the title probably, you know, just between the Nets and Sixers getting better um, and obviously like the Lakers, Clippers out west, uh, you know, the Jazz have, are, kind of feel like in some ways like the heat of last year. 
as the team that maybe doesn't have the same level of top talent, but uh, clearly um, is playing really well. Uh, so I, you know, I would not be sacrificing the future uh, for trying to just improve this year. You know, you, you take your, your lumps. You don't. You definitely don't want to miss the playoffs, but you take your lumps, um, and you know you're you're in a position to pivot going into next year. I, I think you want to keep that flexibility, uh, that, which is why that, that gay one makes sense to me. And, and both those guys, like I think those are the marginal moves you can make to um, get better this year without sacrificing the future. Um, the two guys who are worth sacrificing the future for or arguably are, are Bradley Beal and Victor Oladipo, who, as I mentioned, are probably the two stars, all-star type guys that the Heat has the best chance at landing, I think, in the next 8, 12 months. Um, Beal's not going anywhere right now. It doesn't, sure doesn't seem like. Um, would you Would you trade, like, the hero Duncan package for Victor Oladipo? No, only because he's going to be a free agent this offseason. And might as well I would, wait it out. Yeah, might as well just wait out at this point. Yeah, and, and I'm just not sure yet. Like, I, I you know, Victor Deeper has shown flashes of returning to, you know, his pre injury yeah. self. But he's not in the he's same been, sphere as Beal no. or any of these other guys that we've talked about as heat targets for the last couple of right. years. Right. If Beal becomes available, then that changes everything, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. But, yeah, I, I, for Victor Oladipo, I would wait probably until the summer to see how his body holds up this season, and that way you don't have to give up assets um, for him. So um, that would be my plan. And, and to go back to Bielitsa, um he's in the final season of his contract making, like, $7.2 million. Um, and so he'd fit into the Heat trade exception, which yeah. basically the Heat wouldn't have to give up anything. If the Kings just wanted to – you know, he's falling out of the Kings rotation. He doesn't play because the Kings are going younger. Um he could give up nothing or send cash, I guess, and, and get him probably. They just have to waive a player because they don't have room on their roster. So um, that move would be fairly simple to complete if the Heat wanted to do it um, mm-hmm. because he fits right in there. So um, that's, I mean, yeah, that, that's, I think that's a realistic name. And Gay, too, I mean, Gay, although he doesn't fit into the exception, the Heat have the salaries to make that that type of deal works. So there's different ways, like you said, marginally where the Heat can improve. Maybe it's not going to be a Beal or an Oladipo or a Star or a James Harden, but there are ways, just like last year where they got Jay Crowder, and mm-hmm. I think nobody didn't nobody expected Jay Crowder to be the the biggest addition from that adi- yeah, addition from that trade. I thought it would be Iggy, and Jay was huge. Um, yeah, he helped them a lot. So there are little moves that he can make to become better. Yeah. All right, uh, we've gone way too long, so let's finish up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He is writing every day about what the heck is wrong with the Heat. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, I'm kind of all over the place these days, the Heat on the West Coast, um, and them not being uh, quite as interesting to write about it or not as fun to write about as they were last year. Um, you got anything else you need to plug? No, I think that's about it. Cool. Cuban right. coffee. Everybody drink Cuban coffee yeah. during the next few days. As he we got to get that trip. at uh, Bustillo or, or Pilon. Uh, we have to get a sponsor. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm going right. to work on that. All right. Uh, let's finish there. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.